Welcome to the Mixing Babies and Business podcast. If we haven't met or you're unfamiliar with this podcast, hi, I'm Amy Lynch and I've been bringing my kids into business settings since becoming a parent in 2016 and becoming an accidental activist along the way. This podcast contains a mixture of solo and interview guests mini episodes focused on all things parenthood, business, flexible, and remote work with kids. Season 4 is rolling out and has been sponsored by the Startup Community Empowerment Fund, which is presented by Startup Canada, MasterCard, UPS, and BDC. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a review online. It helps other parents find the podcast. Jace Meyer is a mother of one and serial entrepreneur who launched Koya Productions to prioritize experiencing joy with her daughter every day. She is currently living on the territory of the Lekwungen-speaking peoples and serves on the board of directors for the Victoria Native Friendship Centre, the Indigenous Lift Collective, and is an advisor for the Founders Fund and SAGE Initiative. Our conversation is split into three parts. In the second mini-episode, we talk about rethinking her relationship with time, money, and the pursuit of joy, and the importance of community and connection. Let's get into it. So you might hear a baby moaning in the background or a little foot hit a microphone. But my next question is related to that. And you talked on the joy, the freedom, relationship with time and money, and you know, your reluctance to self care, I agree on what you've you've said. And I feel like financial literacy and your overall well being is another aspect of reprioritizing yourself or looking after yourself that we don't always focus on. And then it's quite literally at the expense of your own well being and your own sustainability. So you recently did a a panel for Founders Fund and you were talking about rethinking your relationship with your money and your mindset around it and reframing, doing things for joy as opposed to monetizing them and flying, Mm. learning how to fly and be a pilot um, or pilot a plane is one of the, the hobbies or the things that you've taken up. Do you care to elaborate on that and any other things that you've done to try to reintegrate joy and freedom into your life on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, miigwech for that question. Thank you, Amy. I came from a a workplace where the side hustle was encouraged, which was really unique. You know, Uh, that's not typical. Most employers want your undivided attention on them. And and then side hustle culture entered my world. And suddenly it wasn't enough to just do great at one job. You needed to have many jobs actually to kind of be celebrated and seen, which I really really loved, actually. I'm a very adventurous spirit. I want to try everything once. And I was just like, this is great. I'm a kid in a candy store. I can launch all these businesses. And I did. I was in the co-pilot seat to a number of businesses or initiatives that launched that I got to play a supporting role in. But in every single one, I was witness to people taking the thing that was once a passion or a joy of theirs and and monetizing it, which is counterculture to how I was raised. Like I was raised in an era where it was like, oh, you want to be a musician? Well, there's no money in that. Go be a you know accountant and then play your guitar at night. And and we're seeing that change of like no 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 no. You should be uh, valued for the the gifts that you have, the medicine that you offer the world. And I really believe in that. But I also found myself on this slippery slope of feeling the pressure to monetize everything that I loved. And I didn't want to have that relationship with money. Money I've really come to learn is a tool. It's a means to the end, but it's not the end. And 
And an abundance of money doesn't replace time. So while I've had an opportunity to make a lot of money, it didn't increase my happiness level because I had no time to apply that to the things that I loved. And what I asked myself is what is the thing that I've always avoided because it cost a lot of money or it wouldn't make me money, therefore had no value or was, you know, beyond my reach. And I grew up in a military family. Uh, so I was, you know, put on a plane to be birthed. I was put on a plane to be brought back from a hospital. And I've probably been on a thousand flights uh, in my life. And when my father passed away, uh, he had left me a small amount of money and said, I really hope that you learn to fly with this money, that you've always dreamed about being in the sky. And here's your chance to do that. I have a very loving partner that booked the discovery for me. So I really had the like medicine path laid out for me as if there was no choice but to take on this hobby. And everyone is asked because I'm good friends with Tira Fraser, who is the founder of Esquayo Air, the first Indigenous woman-owned airline in the world. They're like, oh, you must be getting your pilot's license so you can join Tira's fleet. And while I'm on her board and a fierce advocate of her work, I was like, no, I am not doing this so that I can become a paid pilot. I am doing this so that I can put myself in the deepest sense of discomfort with money and therefore spend a lot of it on an hour's flight for the pure purpose of joy, um, not to see it as a, a means to making an income. So yeah, I've never spent so much money on myself or on a hobby and learning that it's worth it and I'm worth it and that it doesn't have to equal productivity uh, has been a significant learning lesson for me. It might be that military upbringing that, you know, every minute needs to result in something. And I'm really trying to decolonize my relationship with time and money in that way, which was really just to exert absolute control over doing something I never would have done before, which is, yeah, spend that money on myself to do something that's just for the purpose of fun. And the, the benefit is that, yeah, that uh, 10,000 foot up perspective really helps you see what matters. Like you literally have your relationship to the spirit world and connection to the land come into this huge moment of balance. And yeah, it just helps you remember why we're here. And for me that, you know, life is, is so that you have joy. Uh, that's for me, the purpose and uh, flying has given me that chance to just exert that in full sovereignty. This might be a bit personal, but this is the podcast. Yeah. Have you have you felt your relationship with Charlie Rose change or evolve over the past six months to a year as you've decided <laughs> to, you know, restructure your daily life and launch your company or birth your company and be more intentional with the time you spend with her or the time you spend on your own? Have you seen that kind of have a flow on effect at all? Or is it too too early for that? No, Amy, it, it was immediate. I do a lot of community work. You know, I sit on a lot of boards and do a lot of volunteer work. And I remember telling Charlie Rose that I recently joined the Victoria Native Friendship uh, Center as a VP director. And Charlie's response to me is, oh, so you have four jobs now? Oh, mom. And I could just see the disappointment in her where it was like, oh, so I probably come fifth on the list. And she didn't say those things, but her little spirit definitely communicated it. And the last thing I want her to feel is that she comes fifth or last or some other number that isn't number one. And, you know, I'm living in Laguancan speaking territory, um, colonially known as Victoria. There was no access to after school programs 
programming when I first moved here. And I was I was running a full-time organization. I had 12 people reporting to me and I was late for every single meeting because school doesn't start till 8.30 and it ends at 2.30. And by the time you drive back and forth, you may as well have just sat in the schoolyard because there's no getting anything done in between that. And, and I could feel the resentment, not to her, but the situation. But of course, when you're six, you don't understand the situation. You just like understand your parent to be stressed and you ask yourself, well, what did I do to contribute that? You know, children place the blame on themselves when they don't have greater understanding of things. And, and I was like, oof, I'm on this like cliff of like ruining my relationship with my daughter, even though everything I'm doing in my day job is designed to create the conditions for her to thrive in the future. It doesn't feel like that to her in the present. So I made my decision in December that I would take time off, give myself permission to really reflect on what is the, the medicine that I have that I can share with the world? What is the business that, you know, can be in service of that? And landed on Koya. And I communicated this with Charlie that this was my plan, that I was going to quit these other responsibilities and make this my one focus. And her response was, is that my Christmas gift, mom? So for her to see it as a literal gift to her, equal to that of like the like joy of a Santa Claus kind of experience, I knew that I was on the right track. And what I've always shared with everybody is that Charlie Rose is my boss. You know, I work for her and she gets to help me name what's priority for little people and what the future needs. So she's very proud uh, to be in a leadership position at Koya Productions Incorporated. And she joins me in panels and workshops and would be here today if she didn't have a cough. And that's helping her see herself as being a contributor to her community right away. So that moment of like, well, you're really engaged. You understand what this is about. So when I have to make choices like travel and not get home, you know, the day you come home from school, she better understands the trade-off um, and helps me prioritize what we say yes to and what we say no to and why, which maybe is a lot for a six-year-old, but she's the one asking the question, you know, how did we decide this is the one? And I feel that when children ask questions, they're ready for the answer and they'll take what parts like land and the rest might just like orb around them until later. And then they're like, oh, that's what mom meant. But yeah, when she, she could name and already had like a running list of how many responsibilities and commitments I had, probably more accurately than I did. I knew that she was really paying attention and what I said yes to said no to was having a direct impact on her. So yeah, it's changed in that we're actively deciding where Koya offers time and resources and where they don't as it relates to the time we get with each other if we say yes. I love that you talk about her and you credit your mother to who you've descended from and who you're working with or working for. Mm -hmm. And you do talk about family quite a bit whenever you speak or in your even in your biography on your your website for your business. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, I don't feel like we talk about it enough. You've touched on the lack of after school care and her being six. Do you have any other support Ah. networks existing right now around you? Or are you kind of in the process of creating those and how kind of who's your your backup if you need someone or do you have a a network to rely on as a parent and a founder? Yeah, it's such an important question. And and when she was born, I didn't. I was living in a city where I had no family. Um, And um, for my own self as well, you know, my lack of community was really dampening my spirit. You know, the indigenous epistemology, what's core to, you know, all nations is really our relationality, our relationship with ourself, our relationship with our kin, our relationship with, you know, the animals and the water and the land and our spirit uh, ancestors. So when you don't have that connection to community, your own sense of self and understanding is really easily shaken you know, or misdirected. And so I felt extreme loneliness, even though I was maybe more visible 
possibly seen in the world than I'd ever been before. And on more stages and more places, I felt more lost and, and didn't have those supports. And, and now I return to Lagwankin territory where my mom and my sister and my community is. And I'm surrounded by aunties and cousins that, you know, easily scoop Charlie up in her arms and where she sees herself as like deeply rooted and connected. It's been a day and night difference because, yeah, we need those support systems. It's always been that way that the community helps see the gift in our little people and protects that at all costs. And, you know, in my community, we believe you're born precious and sacred. You have everything you need uh, to contribute in a really big way in your lifetime. And it's the community's job to just help name those gifts for you uh, and give you as much practice with them as possible. And when you're not connected, uh, you know, I was living as an urban Indigenous person in Ottawa. It's really hard to feel that without accessing things like friendship centers and, you know, community programs. But yeah, access to culturally informed community programs and before and after school care and even daycare was like the most stressful part of being a parent. <laughs> Full on. Like, I'm like, give me a crying, teething toddler. Um, don't let me have to spend any minute trying to fight for a swimming lesson in the rec center or, you know, hounding people for someone to fall off a wait list so that I might have care for my kid. And uh, and then the affordability on top of that is like when you finally do find one, of course, it's the most expensive option and you never want to feel the guilt of saying that your kid's not worth it, but it's whether or not you really have the money in the bank. And, you know, I've just seen this huge like exploitation of costs of all these franchisee daycare centers opening up everywhere. And we've been lucky. We've been really blessed to find beautiful centers and have great teachers along the way. But um, certainly I was not prepared as a mom. I didn't realize that the moment you conceive was the moment you're supposed to start applying for a daycare list, especially in Ontario at the time. But uh, yeah, that that I think has been easily the most stressful part. Thanks again to Jace for speaking with me about reprioritizing joy in her life and not monetizing every hobby or pursuit. The next episode will feature the final part of our conversation where we'll talk about sourcing childcare and the early idea and startup phases of growing a business as related to your parenthood journey. Check out her work at koyaproductions.ca. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your network and leave a review. It helps other parents find the podcast. Connect with me online and access your parent-friendly, entrepreneurship, flexible, and remote work resources at mixingbabiesandbusiness.com. Thanks for listening.